Welcome to the Football by Football Podcast. Ready to go today. Pretty excited. We're actually doing a show where we're talking about straight football. This is Matt Chatham. I'm your host here on the FBF podcast. So fired up to be back and doing this and not really talking about off-field issues, not really talking about, you know, Deflategate or even injuries. We did that on a prior show. Nothing here to speak about except very specific games. Previewing a game, looking at the game, talking about what may or may not happen. And we've got a couple special guests on today. Uh, first and foremost, uh, my buddy Christian Fourier. You there, Christian? What's up, man? Yo, what's up? What's up, boss? How's it going? It's finally football. Got the Pittsburgh Steelers coming to town. I don't know why he wouldn't be excited about this one. It's a good thing, isn't it, man? Uh, so for fans out there that are uh, non-Patriot fans that listen to the show, uh, Christian and I have been doing these uh, preseason games together on the broadcast uh, for the Patriots TV network, their craft sports group. Uh, Christian is a Colorado Buffalo. We'll get on that here right in the off the front just to get out of the way. Rough week this week with Hawaii, huh, bud? Well, you know what? Uh, I blame that one on the rest. <laughs> uh, you got to go there. Well, yeah, it was a nice trip, though. If you're going to go out there, I mean, shit, you're going to you're going to drop one, drop one in Hawaii, I guess, right? Yeah, you know, you know, that's uh, yeah. I guess you might as well if you're going to like suffer. You might as well suffer in paradise. I mean, I, I you know, you could be in like uh, New Mexico, right? I mean, yeah. It's, uh, listen, your your show is not long enough to go into all the issues that are wrong with Colorado. I mean, That's actually yeah. That's actually a great point. We we don't have enough time to talk about the boys and Mike Mike McIntyre, but uh, things happen. My USD Coyotes got blown out by Kansas State, so you know things happen. Uh, yeah. This is this is a fired up show today. Uh, you know, first and foremost, we got Christian Fourier, who was a former. It feels weird to say it, but former tight end with the Seahawks. I know him obviously as a teammate with us, the Patriots. Great tight end, uh, guy that's got lots of rings himself, and uh, we're really excited here because we're doing a real football show. We're not talking about the Flaygate. We're not talking about injury situations. We're just going straight Patriots Steelers. So, Christian, I'll start with you. Max Starks is coming on a little bit later from the Steelers, and we'll hear from him when he gets on the line. But right off the bat, I mean, it's been a weird preseason, obviously. There's been so many different changes. We haven't even seen the whole crew out there together. Just big picture, what are you expecting to see on opening night on Thursday? You know what? You would think with all the games that we did, Matt, and all the times we talked to the players and the coaches, we would have a real understanding – you know, about what we think is going to happen. But I guess I really don't know. <laughs> I guess, because here's here's my main issue. We've talked about it before. Like, I know that Gronk's back, Edelman's back, Amadola's back, LaFell's not going to play. Uh, Scott Chandler is a new addition. Just talking offensively now, is I think it's going to be unbelievable. Um, LeGarrette Blunt is not playing, and you have, a I guess, a tailback by committee. But you go into right. the interior. And I'm telling you what, like, if if Ryan Stork is not playing, then you have you would have Ryan Wendell, who is now a, a captain. They voted him captain, so you know there's some love there yep. for him. But you would end up having Trey Jackson, Josh Klein, or Shaq Mason as your guards. That, to me, is scary. Like, not that those guys at some point can't be good players, but I did not see nearly enough of what I call starter capabilities 
I mean, well, I think the defense is going to be spot on. I'm excited to see the defense play, like, at full speed with all the blitz packages, all the different coverages that they're going to throw out there. But I'm completely, completely pooping in my pants over the offensive line. <laughs> well, fair enough. Just wear two pairs. You'll be fine. Uh, so, <laughs> hey, Max Starks. We've got Max Starks on line. How's it going, buddy? I'm doing well, doing well, guys. How are you? Not bad. Well, we're pretty fired up that Christian actually went deep in the very first segment talking O-line play. And on the on the call here, we have a guy that was a longtime offensive tackle for the Pittsburgh Steelers. He's got rings, a uh, 10-year player, Max Starks. Uh, we kind of led C- Christian with the, with the front-end question about just big-picture view. I mean, there's so much talk in the offseason about – you know, uh, rosters as far as drafts and free agency and all that. How did the Steelers sort of come through the wash in training camp? Where do they stand on Thursday? Well, I think uh, when you look at the Steelers, it, it looks a little bit like a meat grinder, I would say. You lose your backup quarterback at Bruce Gratkowski. Um, you bring in Michael Vick to kind of fill that void. Well, Bruce has been there the last three years, so he really had to command the offense. You have Vick coming in. He's like the hired gun. At this point in his career, I think he can learn it, but he really won't be able to command it like Greg Kowski did. You lose right. Marquise Pouncey for 10 weeks of the season. You know, that that's another big blow to a, a, an area that we automatically thought offense was going to be Super Bowl caliber, had everybody, you know, pretty much returning for the most part. And now you lose a centerpiece. You lose really the captain of that offensive line and one of the leaders of the offensive side of the ball. And now you're filling in without a Cody Wallace or a Doug McGurski type that's going to that's gonna play that position and have to play it for a number of weeks. So I think that's another hole. The rest of the offensive line is solid. They've all been together. They've played together. I know all of them. <laughs> they're great guys. I mean, you're, talk, you know, they're, you're talking about Marcus Gilbert at the right side, talking about the Castro, talking about Ramon Foster, Kelvin Beecham. But that center position is such a crucial position for the Steelers' offense and having a guy – like Marquise, who is a you know pretty much a perennial Pro Bowler, All Pro, it's going to be a big missing piece for them. But outside of that, I mean, you look at obviously at the wide receiver position, you look no further than Antonio Brown. He is Mister Everything. He catches over a hundred balls, <laughs> and he makes right. things happen when the ball's in his hands. So he's there's not going to be a significant dropout. We lose Martavis Bryant for a couple of weeks for his violation. That was going to be a big second receiver to play opposite and compliment Antonio because Martavis is a speedster. He stretches the field and he's a tall target to throw to. We're going to miss him. So now you're going to really see Marcus Wheaton, see if he can kind of emerge and be that guy that we've anticipated for the last two years. Um, Will he be able to step up and play that position and be able to give them some options? Sammy Coates is another option for the third receiver. Sammy hasn't really done anything in training camp. <laughs> I have not really heard his name. I haven't really seen him do too much. His body of work is too much of an unknown for me. So, you know, looking from those standpoints, it's, it's a tough thing to think about from that. And you're missing the biggest piece, you know, in the backfield, I feel, is Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon did right. everything. <laughs> you know, Le'Veon was third in the league in rushing. He had he, he was a great back for catching out of the backfield. He really had – a knack for ultimately being that third receiver for for uh, the Steelers last year, um, because he was so flexible with what you could do with him. You could you could run him out wide, 
You can motion him back in. There's a lot of things. He was able to actually complement the five-wide package and still give you a running back option if you motioned him back in. So that's going to be a big piece. We have D'Angelo Williams coming in, really, to fill in that void. But I just – I don't know if D'Angelo could do – you know, could do half of what Le'Veon can do given his how long in the tooth he is in the league. But I guess we'll we'll see Thursday night if he can do something – because I think the offensive line is still intact on the exterior, and the middle is going to be a little tough. But I think with this type of running that they have, we run a lot of off-guard, a lot of off-tackle running schemes. So I think it, it'll be okay to mask, you know, right. until Le'Veon gets back, because Le'Veon's really the guy that can run outside the tackle. He's a burner. He can take off, and he's just a special player. So, Max, tell us a little bit about the other side of the ball. You just went in super depth on the offense. Take us around the dial with the Pittsburgh Steelers defense. Issues going on with the front, linebacker level. I know they're young. Back in questions with Palomalo moving on. What's going on there in Pittsburgh? Now, when we move to the defensive side of the ball, it's a whole different story. (laughs) Youth is the key word here. (laughs) Right. Yeah, it, it's a very young front. I think that that's what's going to be the biggest challenge is who is going to be able to apply pressure to the quarterback from this front seven. Um, you know, you have obviously Steven Tewitt has the toe injury, so we really don't know who's going to really feel that void. You know, we try to look at Phil Taylor. He still has a knee. So there really hasn't been that dominant nose tackle in Pittsburgh since Casey Hampton left. And I think right. that's been one of the biggest question marks is who can you get – to take the nose position and really assume that role because that's really the job of your down lineman is to make sure that you funnel everything to the backs. And that was the biggest thing is that we have solid middle backers. I mean, Shazier, as long as he's staying healthy, he is a guy who can cover in the slot. He makes solid tackles. Lawrence Timmons has been there for years, years upon years. I mean, I feel like Lawrence has been there almost as long as I was. Uh, <laughs> that's how much it felt like on the defensive side of the ball, and he's just a solid player. I mean, he he's a hard-hitting guy. He's one of the guys you look at to first when you want a dog from the inside position. You know, obviously having that three-fourth position and being kind of the type of blitzing team that Dick LeBeau kind of had, and Keith Butler has obviously assumed that role and that mantle of being an aggressive three-four zone blitzing team. You have to be able to do those things, and LT kind of embodies that. We get to the edges. Now it's major youth and unproven chip, and then you have the old dog and James Harrison. James is going to play well. I think that's that's a no-brainer. Uh, but you have to limit his snaps because he is older in age, and he right. is supposed to be that kind of senior veteran leader as opposed to being a starter and playing every down. So that's the question is how fast can you get Bud Dupree around? Where's Jarvis Jones at? And obviously you have Arthur Motes who played well last year for them. So you have some depth there, but you kind of have some question marks and unproven guys at those edge positions. So it's going to be interesting. You're probably going to start with James Harrison, Arthur Motes, and then figure out how to work Bud Dupree in on a sub-package type of level. But I just I don't see who can really give you that pressure. Cam Hayward did a great job, but Cam's a DN. And Cam is supposed to be holding the point. That's supposed to be pushing the pocket, not supposed to be trying to make sacks. And that's going to be the question for them. And the secondary, <clears throat> extremely young. I mean, you lost the veterans. You lost Ike Taylor. You lost Troy Palomalu. And you haven't really seen 
guys really emerge. I mean, Mike Mitchell had moments, but then you also saw Mike Mitchell have the youth youth moments as well, having some bad PIs, a couple of holding penalties at, at, at terrible times during the season. So it's really to see who's going to be filling in at that true safety position and can you get back to that kind of drop-down eighth man in the box type of safety and having a single safety high, being able to play and cover the field, kind of like Ryan Clark did when he was there. You haven't really found those guys to really get in there. I mean, Shamarco shows flares of it, but Shamarco, once again, him and Mike Mitchell haven't really worked that much together, and you didn't really see that much consistency with them in the preseason. So it's going to be interesting to see how that dynamic works and what Keith does to kind of match that. Because I have to say the preseason just wasn't enough for me. I know they played five games, and I know that, you know, obviously you didn't have your starters in for a lot of them. You know, Ben might have had a series or two here and there, (laughs) most of court. Right, same here. Yeah, yeah, after Bruce's injury and having Marquise go down, you know, you're like, whoa, hey, (laughs) we're not going to test a $100 million man. I'll beat anybody. Right, right. Well, so here, I'm going to I'm gonna toss this back to Christian really quick just because I think you brought up some interesting points where where the Steelers look like they have inexperience or they they have question marks. You don't know if it's center, they're going to go with Nagurski, if they're going to go with Wallace. Either way, relatively less experience or as you know, accomplished as Pouncey is. But on the flip side of the ball, Christian, uh, the Patriots are going to be countering with a couple of young guys themselves, most likely. you got Dominique Easley and Malcolm Brown in the middle. So it could be inexperience on inexperience, no? Yeah, but I think the, um, you know, one thing I heard Max talk about was just the, was, uh, the inexperience in the secondary. And that's where, if I'm Tom Brady, I'm kind of licking my chops going, hmm, this is going to feel good, you know, mm. because, I mean, he takes, he'll take advantage of an older group. And, you know, with all the issues we have on the, on the younger guys that they have, like the Dominic Easley's and the Malcolm Browns, um, I don't see that as big of a, of a, as an issue. Um, you know, like, well, I, I know those guys are going to be active and disruptive, but uh, if, if I was looking at each side and I was going to say, what, what, what would I rather have? I'd rather have the youth of Malcolm Brown and Dominic Easley than have a bunch of young puppies back there that are going to have to figure out a way to stop Brady and those receivers because – I mean, you know this, like this and there. If they have issues like the Patriots, I think they have issues on the offensive line, like major issues. They'll complement that with the quick passing game. And we haven't seen Julian Edelman once in the preseason. We haven't seen yeah. Ross once preseason. Right. So I think those guys are going to explode. I mean, I don't think, I think the biggest issue that the Steelers are going to have is can they keep up? I mean, can they keep up? No Bryant. Not sure about Wheaton. Uh, you know, like you said, you mentioned, you know, uh, Le'Veon Bell out of the backfield. Um, so I mean, I think that's going to that's be an area of concern for them. Let's pause here for just a second, guys, and uh, talk a little bit about FanDuel. They're paying out over $75 million a week. FanDuel is $75 million bucks a week this football season. And why we like it is because FanDuel, it's easy to build your team. You just pick your players, you stay under the salary cap, and you sit back on Sunday and watch your team win. This is not a year-long commitment deal. Entry fee started just a buck. That's a dollar, and anyone can play. Well, I want you to make sure the guys, we get a little interaction back and forth throughout the season. So listeners out there, if you built your FanDuel team, you got a little game going on for the week, let me know who's on your squad on Twitter at Chatham58. Hit me up at Chatham58. Let's get some back and forth going on this. I want you all to go to FanDuel.com and click on the microphone in the upper right-hand corner. Use our code, 
FBF and sign up now. We have a special offer out there for you guys for all the new users. For every dollar you deposit, FanDuel is going to match it with up to 200 bucks that gets earned as you play. Now, that's a bonus of $200. And that offer is only good for the first 50 people that use my FBF code. So use my FBF code. Don't forget to use my FBF code. FanDuel.com, where every day is a new season. That's F-A-N-D-U-E-L.com. Sign up today. So let me play devil's advocate against sort of the Patriots argument. And I'm curious sort of Max's point of view on this, because, you know, you mentioned obviously with Dick LeBeau no longer being there, there's a new personality. If you're going to try to peck away at, at, you know, Tom Brady and the Tom Brady led offense that we always, you know, talk about, how do they, how do they do that with the new personality? You get the sense that there's going to be the, still the zone pressure, still the same kind of stuff coming at her, or is this an entirely new feel? Or the fact that, quite frankly, as Christian mentioned, on the inside, they're they're going to be young and relatively inexperienced at guard center guard. Uh, do you do you stick with sort of the off the ball pressures that that Dick always liked to do and stick with the zone schemes? Well, I think one of the biggest things we'll see with this defense. Uh, Coach LeBeau in the last couple, his last two years in Pittsburgh, kind of back, kind of pulled off the, the pedal, the gas pedal on the okay. blitzing, and kind of tried to preserve kind of a zone principle as opposed to a zone blitz principle. I got you. And that's ultimately what, because they're like, we can't get pressure, so we need to make sure we cover the back end. I think right. that was the biggest thing that he saw. Well, I think Keith Butler has kind of transformed that with the youth that he does have. Is that hey, what we're going to need to do, we're going to need to hit home <laughs> on blitz schemes. And I think they're going to try and exploit the middle of that of that offense for the Patriots and come with a lot of that zone dog pressure in the middle, coming with the cross dog, coming with a little bit of you know those line pressures with from either one side or the other slanting in and crossing the backers into the middle of that the middle of that offense to create pressure and put hands in Tom Brady's face. That's really going to be the best thing that you have because most of your experience is in the middle of that defense. Okay, so Christian, I'm curious on sort of the flip side with with the Patriots having to figure out a way to handle what's usually a very explosive Steelers offense. We know Le'Veon Bell's not there, and he's one of the best in the business. We know Antonio Brown is. Do you anticipate just a straight double on him all day or a mix and match? Or maybe the fact that Martavius Bryant isn't there pushes them to double him every single snap? Or what do you sort of prescribe for sort of game plan approach with two of their pretty serious weapons down and one of the most dangerous guys up? Well, the plan has always been the same week in and week out with the pass. It's who's their best player, take him out of the game. They need to make, you know, and listen, Antonio Brown, he'll, he'll probably get his catches. But you can't give up the big chunk plays. You can't allow him to catch, you know, 12 catches for, you know, 140 yards. So, I think they actually – I think they end up taking him out. This isn't a one-man job with Antonio Brown. I mean, there's a lot of respect there for that guy. So, let Martavis – I mean, let um, one of the other players – let Marcus Wheaton. Let's find out if he can beat anybody man-to-man. Let's see if the pressure is going to get to him. Um, You know, and then then go from there. I don't think this is a guy that you just sit there and you and you man up with single, right? I don't I don't see that happening. Whatever. Now they nah. may disguise it, they may show like it's a man coverage, but there's always going to be help. I, yeah. Always <laughs> you hope so. Yeah, I, I hope yeah. so because he could handily beat you with the big plays, and I just don't think they want to take that risk. Is Brown still returning punts as well? Um, as of right now, they have him slated as a punt returner, but I don't see that. Being his, I think they they really want to get a Dre Archer 
or get okay. Marcus Wheaton in there to actually be the punt returner because both of those guys are already on the kick return unit, Dre Archer and Marcus Wheaton. So you really okay. want to try and move away from Antonio being that because he has to do so much on offense and he is so valuable. You don't want to risk him taking a hit, you know, inadvertently or unnecessarily outside of playing on the offensive side of the ball. But he is slated as a punt returner right now. We'll see, obviously, Steelers love the math stuff. And when you look at their depth chart and you saw what he did in the preseason, he was there fielding punts early. But I would like to see a Dre Archer or Marcus Wheaton kind of step in and assume that role from him and give him sole wide receiver responsibilities. Okay, so uh, you obviously, Max, had an opportunity to watch the end of the season game last year when the, when the Steelers got, got bumped. I, I'm curious sort of from a, from a Pittsburgh point of view, what, what were the deficiencies? How did it not go? I, I guess from my point of view, sort of in the dark as to what their approach would be without Le'Veon Bell because he was injured at the end of the year. They didn't have him in the playoff game. And it kind of stuck, best of my recollection anyway, Ben spent a lot of the time in the gun. It was a little more spread. Do you think the addition of D'Angelo Williams allows them to do a lot of what they would have done with Le'Veon, just maybe not the catches out of the backfield stuff? Or is it similar to the playoff game approach where we might see Ben drop back and throw it 40 times? Well, I, I think I think D'Angelo gives you that option. I still think the Steelers are going to try and throw it 40 times. I just think that they'll actually mix in more play action as opposed to being more gun spread uh, right, in the right. offensive okay. approach. Just because D'Angelo does have familiarity with the type of offense that Pittsburgh runs, and he is when he's healthy, he is a good back and a solid back who's going to give you those carries, give you about four and a half to five yards a pop. So I think they still keep to the game plan unless it just shows to be too much. And then I think they do open up to more three and four wide formations and start trying to pass the ball out, quick screen it to, quote-unquote, make up for the run. Uh, you know, every offensive coordinator loves to say, well, you know, that quick screen, it's just like a run play. And it's like, no, it's not a run play. But that, that's the mentality I think you're going to see. But I think early on they stick to more being in that kind of three wide or H-back I type of formation and work from there. And then I think as the game progresses, you'll see if that's been working or not. So we'll see how well Belichick plan, game plans, the personnel for that, for the offense. But I think it is, it is a big blow when you don't have Le'Veon because he is just a threat and you have to stay true in the box to him. And like you said, when you have Le'Veon, you can't really double a receiver because you have to keep a guy somewhere hovering around the box for Le'Veon. So it does take away that dimension by him not being there because his pass catching was such a threat um, to opposing defenses. So Christian, kind of on that same idea, we're you know they're I think the Patriots are in a little better situation as far as who's available, but they haven't been playing. So <laughs> I guess from your point of view, you know obviously watching all these preseason games, seeing the team prepare, knowing that at least according to the reports, Julian Edelman is healthy. We know Brandon LaFell was a big part of the offense a year ago, isn't going to be there. Uh, Gronk, we haven't seen take snaps, but do you think? the guys that haven't been there will be heavily involved in the game plan early, or is this a game where, you know, we've been seeing a lot of Aaron Dobson, so Aaron Dobson will get targets, or we've been seeing a lot of Chris Harper. So it's going to be the Chris Harper show. I'm saying that sort of facetiously, but I'm, I'm sort of up in the air about who's going to get the targets. Is it going to be a run game game at all? Because the people they would normally go after, they haven't been out there. Yeah, no, I think, I think it's uh, like riding a bike for these guys. I, I don't think the games even matter. I feel like these guys have been in camp practicing um, since the beginning. Not Julian Edelman because he got hurt, and not LaFell, but 
Julian Edelman is he'll be in the game and he'll he's going to have multiple reps and he's going to catch a lot of passes. I mean, because really, what is he really running? A couple of return routes, a stick route. He's not doing anything crazy. And the biggest issue when a guy doesn't practice is just the timing between the quarterback. And those guys got this whole like, you know, just you know, nonverbal communication where they're sharing the same brain. And I think once once receivers kind of get that part with Brady, I don't think it really matters like if they practice or not. You know, in a game, I don't think it matters. Amadola's been there. Uh, Gronk hasn't missed a practice, practiced the entire season. Then you add in Scott Chandler, who, I mean, listen, I, I think that is a, is a formation, the two tight end formation with those two guys, maybe with Julian Edelman and Amendola. I think you may see a lot. And uh, because really, who are you going to cover? If you double Gronk, I mean, what, what are you going to do with Scott Chandler? It's not like these guys 6'7, 260 pounds. I mean, right. good luck. Someone's going to have, someone's going to be. Some defensive player is going to be in a, in a huge disadvantage just based on size alone. So well, it's interesting. It's interesting that you. It's interesting that you go there because how do we just do you know twenty plus minutes of of talk on these two teams and Mister Reliable on the other side for the Steelers Heath Miller he just never gets mentioned. I always feel like that's the the shtick with that guy. He, he he's he's always there. He always makes plays. He's never that flashy. I think the Patriots, as Christian mentioned, with with both Scott Chandler and Gronk, it could be a very heavy tight end centric game. And, and as I think about the Pittsburgh Steelers and sort of a, a final thought from you, Max, that if, if you don't have Le'Veon Bell and if you don't have Martavius Bryant as a potential second big play, big, big, big play guy, doesn't that send more of the offensive weight onto his shoulders? Well, I, th- I think it sends a little bit. I mean, Heath has always been the pressure relief valve for our offense. Mm-hmm. Like you said, he doesn't get mentioned. It's almost like he's wearing back off beige when he's on the field. You know, people <laughs> tend to forget about him, and then he'll, he'll hit you for a hundred yards and like two touchdowns. He's like, where where'd this guy come from? He's been there, you know, almost 11, he's been there eleven years now, and Ethan is just always a rock solid guy because he's an every down tight end. So you don't really get to see that much anymore. There's very few guys who do it, and he's a solid run blocker. He's a solid pass catcher. He loves the seam routes. He's always there for those little hookups right in the middle of the field, and he's just going to keep you dinking and dunking, and he's going to get you down the field when you don't have your vertical threats um, available. And I think he is going to be a big part of this. I think Keith is going to have about six catches um, in the game. But once again, he's not he's not featured kind of like a Gronkowski is. He's not going to be Gronk where he's going to be able to make that catch and stretch at 40 yards and get a touchdown. Heath is one of those guys, if you throw it to him at eight, He's going to get you about 15, maybe 20. And if you don't cover him, <laughs> you know, because you're out covering the corners, you know, then he could probably burn you a little bit deeper, but I don't see him being that vertical threat. So he's just that pressure relief valve, catch, a little bit of yak, and that's it. But he keeps the drive going. He's that momentum guy who keeps the momentum on the offensive side of the ball. So, But we do have young guys. You know, you do have a Jesse James there. Who's had a, who's had an okay preseason? So you wonder if we're going to get into any two tight end sets. Matt Spade has always been there, but Matt's not really a uh, pass catching tight end. He's more big of a blocking guy, guy. Yeah, type of guy. Yeah. He's just a big tall guy. He blends in with the offensive line. So <laughs> you know, you wonder if we're going to get into that. If we're going to see a little bit of Jesse James because he is more of that kind of pass catching tight end body type. So it will be interesting to see how tight end centric this game becomes when you take out a receiver and you've had injured receivers on, on New England side 
and you don't have featured backs on either side. So it will be very interesting, and I look forward to it. I hope he gives like eight or nine catches, goes for 100 yards, and has a touchdown. But I would love to see that because he's been such a great guy and such a great player for so many years. He, he was always underrated. Uh, we look at the Steelers roster, but what he provides for a team, he's just rock solid and consistent. He's like a number one when you go to Mickey D's. You know what you're getting anywhere across the world. <laughs> That's how he, Miller, is every Sunday. Well, there you go. So, hey, this is, this is kind of cool for Christian and I to be on here with you because, you know, we it's rare that we get to hear from guys that are on the other side that get to come in for this big main opening day. Uh, Christian and I have done a handful of the Thursday night games to kick off the season. I'm assuming you have as well after your Super Bowls. Did you come back and play the Thursday to start it? Yeah, we've had a couple of Thursday starters um, at home and away, and uh, they, they've always been fun. Coming in, playing in Foxborough, Considering all the off-field nonsense that's been going on, it's going to be a pretty charged-up atmosphere. Can you just talk a little bit about playing on the other side? I've done it as a Jet when I was there, but uh, I'm just curious sort of what, uh, how, how a road game to kick things off in Gillette is perceived. It is, it is tough. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's, a road game in Gillette is tough enough as it is, um, whether or what point of the year you play them. Uh, obviously, winter – is horrible to go up there because it's so <laughs> blistering cold. But to start the season there, to know what's on the line, what's transpired over the summer leading up to this, the kind of just pressure-filled game this is going to be uh, for really both sides. Um, obviously, the Steelers coming in and wanting to pick up where they left off from the regular season and continue that type of dominance, but also having the storyline of New England and all that transpired, there's going to be a lot of pressure on them to want to kind of stick it to, uh, to the league for uh, what all went down. So it's going to be a great game. It's going to be very imposing for a lot of those young guys going into Gillette um, right. that are on the Steelers' side of the ball. But I think you have enough veteran leadership that can kind of corral them in, tell them to go ahead and get the nerves out, let the butterflies go, you know, take some x wax and move forward <laughs> and, you know, kind of get kind of get ready because this is football. This is what regular season football is all about. The good thing is, you know, that you are playing on this prime time. That you're the only show in town, and these guys are relatively fresh that are from the veteran perspective. So it will be a fun game, and obviously, you know, we have our deficiencies on both sides of the ball, so I feel like it's kind of evenly matched. So, Christian, final thought there. Uh, we, just this environment, uh, being down there on Thursday night, I mean, I think it's going to be sick. I, I've been there, as you have, for some of the coolest moments in Gillette history just because of the nonsense that's happened off the field. And I think the Steelers have sort of the unfortunate situation of being here on this particular week where uh, part of the energy is going to be directed at them, but part at the league, I think. Uh, just talk a little bit about how you think this might go down. Not necessarily a prediction, but just sort of uh, what it's going to be like down at Gillette with this crazy kickoff to the to the NFL season. Well, you know, it's funny because they're asking fans to get there early. They're asking fans to not mm. just get there early and tailgate, but to get there early and sit in their seats. You know, so they yeah. could so they can start the festivities off right and not have a bunch of red seats because it's the club level. But I do. I think it's going to be like almost like a college atmosphere because you touched on it. Like it's not they're not really taking out their their anger on the Steelers. It's more like taking it out on the league and Roger Goodell. And it just so happens that you know the Steelers are going to have to take the spanking <laughs> for the for the for the league um, because I think people have been waiting for this. They've been waiting to unleash some just you know anger and just some animosity, and I feel like this is their opportunity to do it. So we're talking 
you know, all-time high decibel levels for this stadium, which I don't think gets very loud. I don't think as far as, like, stadiums go, this is, like, a really loud stadium. Because um, I think the sound, like, escapes through the one lighthouse area. But right. but I think tonight, I think I mean, sorry, Thursday night, I think it's going to be, like, roadhouse-type stuff. Like, we're looking at <laughs> throw out the club. I mean, that's really what I think it's going to be. Like, I'm excited. Well, like, I normally don't go to the games. I'll watch them on, you know, like on TV and then I'll, I'll sit in the, you know, the box every now and then, but I actually want to be there at this game just so I can kind of experience. Well, I'm the same way, Christian. I, I, I made sure that normally I'm in studio with Ness and afterwards I'm going to the game. I want to be down there yeah. in the field. <laughs> I want to yeah, feel this. I just want to, it's going to be crazy. I, I just, I don't think that there's in the 15 years I've been around the NFL game. Like I don't, I don't recall anything like this. This is weird. Nah, this is, either. it's no, just weird. And it's, it's unfortunate it came to this, but Hey, guys, I wanted to thank you both. Absolutely awesome stuff tonight. Pretty cool insight. Really looking forward to the game. Thank you both for coming. All right, man. Thanks for having us. See you. I think what makes this game great and why it warrants sort of the anticipation leading up to it is because there's so many unknowns going to this game. Yeah, we can talk about the emotion involved and all of that, but I don't know. I think emotion burns out pretty quick. It's going to be an amazing environment early in that game, but – Several plays in, a missed opportunities, and the place goes dead. That's just football. So uh, the thing that I really sort of hold up that I think will determine this thing at the end of the deal is which of the two teams can sort of put it together and execute best. And the reason I don't think that's just a slam dunk for the Patriots is because we haven't seen them do it. Am I going to be surprised if they blow the doors off the Steelers and win 60-14 to 14 or some crazy score or even just more modest crazy like like 38 to 10 or something like that but no not at all that will that will not surprise me one bit the reason I wouldn't go so far as to predict that is just because we haven't seen the offense work together at that level of efficiency we haven't seen the defense as a secondary perform with the group together for an extended period of time as the one we're going to see on on Thursday night so the, the reality is, from a Patriots point of view, I really have no idea what to expect. <laughs> really no idea whatsoever. Are they even going to attempt to run the ball? And if they do, who's the back? Uh, who's going to even be the starting offensive line in those three interior positions? Who's even going to start on the defensive line front? We've seen the two rookies together, but Allen Branch is still there and Silver, Silver Salinga is still on the team as the old inside guy. It's just a game of unknowns. And it makes it easy to not know or to say you don't know because the Steelers are on the other side of the ball and for all we thought they were going to be going to the season, they just got too many missing pieces to presume it'll be the same team that you'll likely see in November and December. So this is the unknown bowl. And in the unknown bowl, by default, I just go back to the Patriots as the home team. But I think that there's a chance it could be a close game or there's a chance it could be a blowout. Now that's a cop-out, but it's also admitting what we don't know. And nobody knows. That's why these first games are so fun. The teams themselves don't know. They'll be spending these first several series figuring themselves out. And even when they go their separate ways at the end of this game, you usually spend most of the months of September figuring it out. You just try to survive these games, put your best foot forward, at least for now, knowing that that foot will be majorly different when you get around in December. Enjoy that game. All right, everyone. Thanks so much for listening to the Football by Football podcast. As always, that FBF podcast can be found for streaming or download on footballbyfootball.com or blogtalkradio.com. You can download the FBF podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and the the TuneIn Radio app. Excuse me. For daily insightful stuff from these guys and others, myself included, make sure you got to check out that footballbyfootball.com site. 
and the footballbyfootball.com Facebook page. Give us a follow on Twitter at FB by FB. Football week, everyone. See you next time. Thanks for listening to the Football by Football podcast. Football insight by football players. Hi, Lucky. Hi, Dusty. Good night, Ned. Good night, Ned. Good night, Ned.